co-host, and I've got Elizabeth Horeb as my co-host today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hello. Good morning. So glad you're here. Well, the goal of our show, as you all know, is we'd like to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us talking, get us exploring, get us connected, and maybe perhaps inspired, challenged to do something because we made the connection. Refugee. Refugee has been in the heart of our news, and on the last few of our shows, we've been talking about refugees and their children. Last week, we featured the march. We've been exploring how the refugees' future and how we as a country give refuge, give support. I got chills down my back this last week when I was hearing that we're needing to use DNA to match children because we didn't keep good lists because we couldn't keep that connected. Our our collective humanity is in question, and humanity calls to us for our deepest self. Um, How do we approach the other? Part of what I've noticed in this last week is it's very easy for us to create like this category of other about refugees. Refugees as a category, not individuals, each having a story. We are part of that story. But it's so easy to just paint this picture of the other, both culturally, politically, socially. It's the other. But we know that each person has a story and has a history. But I think sometimes it's just easier to create a category. I think art likes to break down categories, likes to challenge our sense of category. And art can go places that allow us to feel and think in new ways. So today's show, we're going to be talking to an artist who will take a refugee story and bring that story to life for us and let us hear and know and understand and experience a story of a real-life refugee through her artistic lens. Do you know a refugee? Some people do and some people don't. But I believe if you listen to refugee stories with a full heart, it can be a powerful experience. And, And once you learn the real story of one, you may want to learn the story of another. And on this journey of life, it's kind of interesting to take a time out and want to learn about other stories. And of course, art brings stories to life in amazing ways. I appreciate art for its ability to open our heart as well as open our minds. So today, we're going to be exploring a fabulous uh, experience coming up at the Fringe Festival. We have Monica Dionysiu. Do I have that right, Monica? You do. I got coached. I got coached by Elizabeth. Dying to see you. I'm like, all right. You know what I, I got it. Thank you, Elizabeth. I, when I looked at at your name at first, I went, oh, Dionysus. There, there must be something oh. there with you know this this Greek god of love, a Greek god of of of, of wine. Do you, is there yes. any connection to your name and and the uh, the love of Dionysus? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, my um, my last name comes directly from the Greek god Dionysus. 
um, who was the god that theater was made to um, kind of celebrate, uh, as well as wine. And uh, my dad used to say, all things delicious. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, it, it, it's, I'm glad you brought up your dad because this is a story about your father, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a story about my dad and my my partner is with me as well. His name's Aaron. He's uh, Aaron Young. He's my uh, life partner and my art partner and my partner in crime, I guess. And he came with me um, to Cyprus, where my father is from. And we were going around the island and seeing some of my, my familial history, uh, going to some of the locations where my family lives. And... At the end of that trip, Aaron said to me, I can't wait for you to make the show about your family. Um, and that kind of started this whole thing on. That, that was the first seed that was planted. Well, you're going to be at the Fringe Festival uh, here in Minnesota, and that's going to be in August. And I understand that you're at the U of M Rarig Experimental, and it kicks off August yes. 3rd for you doing a show from 10 p.m., and then you're also on the 4th and the 5th and the 9th and the 12th, and you can get more information by going to the Fringe. Uh, mm-hmm. But today I, I'm, I'm so, I, I want to hear about you as an artist. I also want to hear about how you developed this piece about your father and then explore the refugee experience and then, of course, um, Share more about how to come see your show. So let's start first with with you as an artist. Um, I love in your website you start off with "I am a human," <laughs> yes, and you also probably are human too. Um, so, but it, you love it from what I read in your your website. It looks like you love the full scope. You love the fulfillment of joy as well as the emptiness of loneliness and terror of the unknown and the complexities. What first drew you? to being an artist, and when did you know that you were an artist? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, boy, I think my it really was my uh, kind of sense of solitude. I grew up as an only child, and I was kind of always a little odd and um, had some <laughs> trouble socially as a, as a young person. And I found solace in performance. Um, it actually started because I had an opportunity to skip class for 20 minutes to audition for the school play, and that seemed really exciting to me. And I did it, and I got cast, not having any idea what that meant. And then I fell in love with, with theater and performance. And so I kind of studied that craft for a while. Um, I, was, I was young. I was 10 when I started, and then by the time I was about 16 or 17, I was really starting to feel the need to tell my own stories through this platform. And uh, I continued to study acting. And then in college, I kind of learned that I have that I have this thing called artistry that I can also add into my craft. And that's how it all kind of came about. And you're first generation. I am, yes. And your part- uh, on my father's side, on my mother's side, I'm third generation. And your father told you stories as you were growing up, and you had sort of a vague notion of, of what happened with him in Cyprus. How, yeah, pretty much. T- tell he, me about he would tell stories. No, no, no. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, I was just. Uh... As, you strike me as someone who might, um, as you were telling me about your father, as being sort of an admirer of his storytelling. Um, tell me about how you thought about Cyprus before you started studying it, how you thought about his experience before you brought it to life. What was it like to be a child of a father who came from Cyprus? Well, I think, you know, it was interesting because it was so normal and regular to hear the things he was saying. It was like, oh, yeah, that's just dad's life. I'd roll my eyes and kind of just move on. It, it didn't feel significant as I was growing up. Um, and then visiting I, my whole family, my father's the only one that left, that actually left the country. Um, and so going back to visit, it was also a little difficult as the only American kid in the bunch, not knowing the language, not understanding the culture, not understanding why my family is so family oriented. Um, and I, they would tell me stories, but I, I didn't quite get it. Um, and I think it really wasn't until this year when I sat down with my dad and I heard all of his story kind of chronologically and in context of itself that it really started to make sense about why he is the way he is, why our family is the way they are, um, as all the challenges that have come up, and also the kind of the gratitude that I saw my father living um, as he had a, he had a business in Northern Virginia for many years. He and my mother owned a restaurant, and um, and I he was always so grateful for everything he had and um, and at the same time didn't care about any of it. <laughs> he also mm -hmm. recognized that he didn't need any of these things that he's had because he's survived on nothing before. Um, so there was a, I kind of, I think I, I didn't really understand that or take, I took a lot of that for granted. Also, my father is quite a storyteller. He mm -hmm. really loves to tell stories and he embellishes a lot and he's, <laughs> Um, I don't know, Aaron, how would you describe my dad's storytelling? Um, <clears throat> I would describe George's storytelling as um, a little bombastic yeah. and, <laughs> and uh, a little braggadocious, too, and, <laughs> um, and always evolving. Yeah. And, you know, and Aaron, what are... Aaron, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you save some of that story because we're coming down to the end of this segment. And I also want to um, say hello to you in the next segment and have uh, both of you share more about the the actual piece. But I, I, I still want a little bit more context on this bombastic storyteller. I have this sort of uh, <laughs> imagination of this person dancing on the shoreline telling stories. So uh, yeah. a modern-day uh, <laughs> yeah. Iliad journey and, and a good odyssey, a poetic soul that we'll hear more about. And you're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're going to be talking about Aphrodite's refugees um, and this very cool devised play um, and artistry in the making that you can be a part of. Uh, and you're listening to Connections Radio Show. We'll be right back after a short couple announcements. have questions about your career, your romantic life, your family, or your pets? Do you dream of connecting with someone who's crossed over? Hi, 
I'm Christine Schroeder, and I'm an intuitive medium and psychic. I offer strategic insights, useful answers, and practical advice to help you navigate life's most interesting situations. To learn more and book a phone reading, visit christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. That's christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Good morning. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we're talking about Aphrodite's refugees. It's a, a devised play that's going to be coming up at the Fringe Festival in August. So we're giving you plenty of time to get your tickets and go see the show. Uh, we've got Monica dying to see you. Monica, how are yep. you? <laughs> I'm doing well. And we have Aaron Young, uh, Monica's partner in life, who is also part of the show. Welcome, Aaron. Hello. Thank you. Now, if you want to go see the show, which I'm assuming everyone who listens to this will going to want to go see it, uh, you can go to the Fringe Festival and check out um, how to get tickets. The show is starting on August 3rd at 10 p.m., the 4th at 4 p.m., the 5th at 7 p.m., so it's not all, all on the same time, so pay attention here. The 9th at 10 p.m., the 12th at 2.30. The tickets are $10. So... 
Aphrodite's Refugee. I'm excited about doing uh, a show with you, Monica, about your artistic bringing to life a refugee story because we've been doing a series on refugees. And um, mm -hmm. in our last segment, you were sharing a little bit about your father, who is sort of the inspiration. And Aaron, I had to create a cliffhanger. You were about to tell us a little bit more about Monica's father, who you met in Cyprus. Yes. You know, um, Monica warned me about her father before I met him. <laughs> um, she said that her last boyfriend, uh, George, threatened to throw off of a bridge. So I was a little hesitant <laughs> at first. Uh, but he's an incredibly friendly man, uh, the kind of guy that is loved by everyone. He, um, he's a manager at a, of hotels in the Greek islands. and So he has a lot of friends, and he tells a lot of stories. Um, and I think the most memorable thing about him when I first met him was that uh, he does he joined in on the kind of entertainment show at the hotel uh, when we were first meeting. And uh, he does this traditional Greek dance where he lights the stage on fire and then dances <laughs> around in the flames. And it was really fascinating because the night we met him and saw him do this fire dance, um, there was a man there who was from his village, mm. who fought with his father. Yeah. Um, an older man, probably in his 80s, who had seen George born and mm. had had fought um, in the guerrilla war. I believe he was a guerrilla fighter mm. um, against the British, and then he fought the Turks as well. And it was fascinating to see their connection and their love for each other um, and that when I was first meeting him, and it really gave me an insight into into what he had been through um, and the heaviness of it and the beauty of the resilience that that kept them going through all of the tragedy and hardship in their lives. What an amazing moment. I just the the image of a fire dance is very powerful, but then to also you know pair that with the reconnecting of um, of folks that hadn't seen each other for a long time and, and, and the the challenge that they faced together and the beauty of him being mm -hmm. able to see him be born and be part of that from the get-go. Well, I'm going to give just a short overview that you put in your website about what the play is. It's the fate mm -hmm. of four teenage refugees um, is merely a high-stakes card game played by the Greek gods. Aphrodite's Refugees is a multimedia performance where animation, storytelling, and live art come together to paint a picture that is one part true and one part possible. Well, there's a lot to unpack there uh, in terms of all the cool things that's there. Um, let's start with um, the goddess of love and a card game. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, well, cards have always been a part of my life. Um, and when my father was in the refugee camp, when they eventually they had to leave their home and they were in a tent city, they didn't have anything to do. Nobody had jobs. Nobody had um, – they, they were bored. So they would get together every day and play cards. And that continued on throughout his life and throughout my life. And it's something that we always did together as a family. And there's something very interesting to me about cards because it is uh, a game of chance. Almost all card games are games of chance. It depends on what you get. And they're games of skill. And, um, and I was thinking about the Greek gods 
and how nobody believes in them. We don't worship them any longer. But if they ever did exist, that they probably still exist and they just don't have anything to do. They're out of work. Nobody pays attention to them. We let all their temples go to ruins. Um, so I was really seeing this analogy between these mythological characters that people have forgotten and then actual people that people have forgotten. And, um, and I was seeing my family playing cards. There's a story about my father who plays cards in, the, in, the, in his life. And then I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be interesting if all of these political events and all of these uh, governmental decisions that are made that affect real people's lives, what if that was just a card game that the Greek gods are playing without any real concern or um, knowledge that they're affecting real people? And that sort of became a framework for the story that was kind of fun to make, actually. It has yeah. sort of a... I'd say, go, go ahead. I, I, just to add to that, I would say that I think there's a, a deeper level to it, too, that implicates a kind of... You know, sometimes it's so hard to imagine um, that if there are gods or a god, that they are willingly letting humanity suffer the way that we see mm -hmm. um, in the world today. And so um, I think there's also a, a, a deep kind of um, uh, implication that, that perhaps the gods are a little careless mm -hmm. uh, with humanity and um, that we have to kind of take it on ourselves to, to improve our world. What strikes me when I first heard about this was the idea of cards, which totally intrigued me. Uh, it's almost like a waiting for Godot moment. I mean, the cards keep you in this sort of space of like, um, we're waiting for something to happen. And yet the gamesmanship, as you as you mentioned, I think is very powerful. And it's very Greek, you know, to have that sense of contest. It's where the Olympics came from for both poetry as well as the athletics that we celebrate today. So I think that yeah. that captures sort of the Greek competitive um, how will we win this game? And it becomes a game. And the other thing that struck me as so powerful is that women goddesses, my God, that's great. You know, so often religion gets, you know, relegated and designated more in a male face. And I, I've always been mm -hmm. drawn to the female power and spirit that come through that are not perfect. I love that the right. gods and goddesses are not perfect. Uh, it's, a, it's a great metaphor to explore the the chance and the, and the, and the challenge of all of that. Have, have you always been drawn to the, to the gods and God? Oh, look at the time. I'm sorry. We have yeah. 45 seconds. So what we're going to do <laughs> is, um, is, is start to, to have you tell me a little bit. No, we don't have enough time. All right. So in the next segment, we're going to talk more about your, feelings about the gods and goddesses then we're going to tell tell us about how you got this story going you talked a little bit about interviewing your dad but i think you also interviewed his siblings and how you create um through devising um this art on stage and aaron we want to hear about the role you play as well so i'm gonna leave you all with a cliffhanger gotta hang on and hear more about the aphrodite refugees we'll be right back thanks for listening Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, 
courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is having its annual store-wide sale. For the entire month of July, all of our indoor and outdoor fireplace products and accessories are at their lowest price of the year. At Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we display, explain, and install the Twin Cities' most diverse selection of indoor and outdoor stoves and fireplaces, including metal and masonry pizza ovens. While shopping for a fireplace insert at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, I was amazed at all the choices. Not just gas, electric, or wood-burning, but also built-in or freestanding and options in every style from antique to modern. The staff listened to us, explained the options, and helped us choose a fireplace we love. Now it warms our hearts and our home every winter. Thank you, Woodland Stoves, for a great addition. Come see us. We have over 35 working displays in our store, which is just off I-94 at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, since 1977, out of the ordinary products and services to make fire work for you. Now through September 1st at the Museum of Russian Art is an exhibition of Minneapolis-based painter Leon Husha. The Art of Leon Husha Balancing Act showcases more than 50 pieces from 29 different collectors in the largest show ever of his bold and colorful work. A hometown favorite, the energy of Leon's playful art spans sculptures, paintings, and non-traditional media. See for yourself today and bring home a signed print or exhibition catalog from the museum store. For details, visit tmora.org. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Hunter Hawes. Today, sunny with a high near 83. Tonight, clear with a low around 67. And Sunday, sunny with a high near 89. EatLocalMinnesota.com is your way to find unique local restaurants offering one-of-a-kind food and atmosphere. Your choice is setting from casual to trendy. Great spots for date nights, evenings with friends, or business occasions. Make sure the money you spend stays local. Find out more at EatLocalMinnesota.com. Welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we're talking about Aphrodite's refugees. This is a cool play coming up at the Fringe, and it's an artistic um, extravaganza. It, it is storytelling. It's media, multimedia. It's um, creation of art, and it's all very cool. And it's all part of how we've been talking about refugees 
And what I love about being able to talk about refugees today is through storytelling. And I have a deep belief that art helps us create empathy. And when we have empathy, we have connection. And the more we can build our connections, the more that we build a sense of community. And we've been hearing about uh, Monica Dionysiu and her father. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about uh, this this experience that you had in developing this story. Because you you interviewed your father, but you also interviewed his siblings. Um, Tell me about that process. And how art as sort of documentary and art as creation all comes together through devising. It was a really a powerful experience, actually, and really bonding in a lot of ways. Um, I had decided I wanted to make this show, and I reached out to my father, and I asked, and he was so enthusiastic and excited. Um, I think he, he, his story is not one he ever has ever wanted to hide, um, and it's one that he's wanted people to know. And as I was interviewing my uh, aunt and uncle as well, that was the thing that they said the most. They asked one of my aunts, you know, what do you want an American audience to know about your experience? And she said, I just want people to hear my story. Um, and so the, the process, I was feeling this incredible sense of responsibility to honor their experience and to honor their memory of their experience, which don't always align. Mm-hmm. The, the history of, um, like, details, for example, how many people were fighting. My father said 16. He was six years old. He can't remember how many people were fighting. But in his, in his uh, six-year-old memory, there were 16 people who were fighting. And when we, did ref- when we referenced it and we were doing research, yeah, it was like 35 people who were who were fighting, which is still a small number, mm-hmm. but but those little details we had to ask ourselves: Is it important to share the the political facts if people were going to go out and fact check us, or is it more important to share the experience? And I think we kind of decided that because this is a play about human beings, that we wanted to represent their memories in a way that they chose to have them represented. Um, so that was, that was an interesting challenge to meet along the way. And there are a couple of things that we tweaked here and there to be more accurate to the, yeah, to, to put it in context. And this all really deep, and I mean, it, you shared in the last segment that when you went to Cyprus, there was a sense of like, well, someday I'll write this story. But it really came to life, from what I understand, is when you went to uh, a program for Doctors Without Borders. Yeah. That was a really moving and powerful experience. I had decided, I said, okay, I'm going to make this show. I had no idea where to start, and I was driving to work or home from work, and I heard on the radio on NPR that there was this event happening in downtown Boulder, Colorado. So I didn't even go home. I just went right to the event. And it was supposed to be an hour-long experience, and I asked so many questions. It took us two hours to get <laughs> through it. And it was a refugee simulation that Doctors Without Borders had put on. And it started with a video 
uh, a 360 video that happened all around you, and then they had set up small camps, um, and you walked from one area, and they gave information, and then you went to another area, which showed how people get water and charge their cell phones and get materials, and then you walked to another area that showed the medical side of it, and and the whole time I was going through that, I was hearing her tell stories of of the of the things that she experienced as a medical professional out on the field. Um, and I was hearing my family's stories in place of the ones she was saying. And, and it became clearer and clearer throughout the course of this two-hour experience that this really, really is the story I need to tell. I love the fact that you could hear the stories as your own and that you it, – it, it almost sounds like you felt it. It was that you heard their voices and that you were yeah. part of them in a connected way that perhaps you hadn't been before until you had gone through the journey of the refugee experience. Yeah, I think that's very, very accurate. Yeah. And as you started to get to know your your uh, father's siblings and, and started to hear their stories, did the the gods and goddesses come out then that you wanted to feature the god or or is that just something that you've always cherished having the the Greek gods and goddesses? We started to talk about that in the last segment. Yeah, I, I think they've always been a, a part of me. Um, you know, growing up, I I read Greek mythology at bedtime and I watched um, movies that were really based in Greek mythology. I've always been very attracted to it. Um, I love the the broadness of it and how uh, how the gods are flawed and how the gods are uh, mischievous and and they're very theatrical as well and I think that the story of the gods developed very much at the same time as the story of my family um, and, and, it, and it saw many different in variations. At one point, there were like four gods playing <laughs> cards, and now there's only two. <laughs> but um, so you have you have kind of came. You have Aphrodite, who's from Cyprus, correct? She's was born out of Cyprus, the goddess of love, and she's playing yes. cards with her brother Ares. Ares, yeah, goddess the of god, god of war. war, which is kind of love and war. We've got that. That's an yeah. interesting little parallel there. Um, mm -hmm. And then what I think is, is fascinating is you help the audience know more about the history of Cyprus. You open that up with allowing them to understand here, here, here's the geography we're dealing with, boys and girls. This, mm -hmm. this is what it looks like. And, and at that time, there's projections on paper, and I understand that um, the art is brought to light, a light or I mm -hmm. should say light, a speed painting landscapes. Tell me more about that. Uh, yeah, so while Monica is doing her storytelling, uh -huh. um, I am doing live painting and and showing animations that I developed, um, which are also painted and then projected. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's kind of um, illustrative of the history that, that we cover in the beginning of the show talking about the history of Cyprus with the British occupation and then liberation and then reoccupation by the Turkish, which continues to this day. And, um, you know, it's such a complex history. Um, we decided it would be important to show the history. So there are maps that are animated and um, 
and we use different uh, colors to to help people understand the the background of this story in the in the beginning of the show. Um, and then throughout the show, I do live painting on a, a probably about a six foot long roll of paper that's backlit, and I'm painting a kind of watercolor landscape. And um, I've had to learn how to paint very fast <laughs> in order to do this and to to get everything into the painting um, through the story. And um, it's 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 really fun. I've had to let go of a lot of my. Um, detail-oriented uh, approaches to painting and really go with the flow and, and let it live in its imperfection. So it, it's a lot of fun, and um, it's been really cool to see. We, we had a few refugees come to some of our shows, and one of them was so in love with the painting and the story that she took the painting at the end of the show, and um, I think it meant a lot to her to hear to hear this story um, and to be able to relate to it and know that there are people out there um, who are who are helping spread this message of, of the the humanity within this tragedy that we're seeing all over the world. One of the things that intrigues me about your partnership in this production is that I think of theater as, as ephemeral. You know, it's that moment and mm -hmm. it's gone. And you're creating something with these paintings that that woman is going to be able to hold on to. I mean, it, it's not just the memory. It is, you know, tactile. Um, so it's a great intersection fusion uh, of ways of looking at telling a story that engages in so many different ways. Yeah, thank you. That's, that was very much a part of what we were considering when talking about having live painting in the show was, I, I'm really attracted to the con of uh, to the idea of the audience seeing something be made in front of their eyes, um, and 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 to last something that will last. Also, in your website, you've got. Um what your performances are, which I just love. There's this whole line of things of this plus this. So you've got performance plus creation <laughs> plus line blurring plus bridge building plus art plus performance plus theater plus installation plus creation plus examination plus deconstruction plus moving plus creation plus larger than life plus performance plus visual plus emotional plus unfamiliar plus bizarre plus glamorous plus gritty plus performance art. Um, so this kind of reminds me of Naropa. <laughs> <laughs> so you and Elizabeth, uh, both went to Naropa. Did you as well, Aaron? I did not, but I like to consider myself an, um, honorary Naropa graduate. I know so many people. <laughs> and, and for those that don't know what Naropa is, it's out of, outside of Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, and um, Buddhist-centered and, and delightful. So, Elizabeth, um, got a minute or so here. Talk a little bit about Naropa and your experience with, with Monica. Yeah, Monica and I were in the same MF, MFA class. So uh, we got an MFA in theater contemporary performance from all of these amazing artists uh, and teachers, and many of them, like, founded huge, amazing movements in, like, the 60s and 70s, and so postmodern art and everything. Um, one thing that I think is really important to talk about, and Monica, I want you to talk about this, is the difference between devising and playwriting, because you are a mm -hmm. devisor and a collaborator, and, and what does that mean? 
Yeah, um, that's there's there's not a very clear definition in the like scholastic theater world around this. So I'll give you my definition and sort of what I developed and created at Naropa when we were there. Um, it it's really playwriting is a an incredible skill and craft and art form where a, a writer sits down with their computer or their typewriter or pad of paper and they create and write lines of dialogue and worlds on paper and often will hand that paper off to a director to create those worlds in, in 3D with people. Devising kind of has a lot of um, trial and error style to it. Room and we explore them. And so a lot of the development process for this show was about just spending hours playing with the paint and what that looks like and how that feels and how does that translate into the language. And then I would work on some and I would bring it back to the rehearsal room and we would put the imagery and the story together and then those things would change as a result of what the other was doing. And Monica, and so the piece, Monica I'm going to yes. leave another cliffhanger for us and have you finish Great. up your devising in our last segment. Um, and Great. you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we'll be right back after a few short announcements. Thanks for listening. Do you know you can spend your entire life without ever having a psychic reading and be just fine? On the other hand, if you try a psychic reading, you may experience strategic insights and useful answers to help you navigate life's most interesting situations. I'm Christine Schroeder. I'm an intuitive medium and psychic. I can help you to connect with someone that's crossed over, find answers to questions about your career, your romantic life, your family, even your pets. Visit my website at christineintuitivemedium.wordpress.com. Minnesota's original appliance specialist, Warner Stellion, is excited to announce the opening of its new store, located off Broadway and 35W in Northeast Minneapolis. Now, here's what we're going to do at our new store. We're going to sell all the best brands at guaranteed unbeatable prices. Then we're going to deliver and install them right and fast. It's been a long time since a new appliance store opened in the city of Minneapolis. You can see us from the highway. We're on the east side of 35W next to Boyer Ford. Come for a visit soon. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hi, this is Charlie. My dad is Minnesota's wildly popular and handsome radio host, Matt McNeil. Did I say that right, Dad? Perfect! When I got my driver's license, my parents let me drive a Sienna from Rudy Luther Toyota. I love it. It's easy, comfortable, and hauls all my baseball gear. And my parents love the safety. That's why they wanted me in the Sienna. Thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota, my son is safe as he begins his driving adventure. We're a two Sienna family thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota. Visit them today in Golden Valley at 169 and 394. The only thing better than being outdoors soaking up that summer sunshine is coming into a nice, cool, air-conditioned house afterwards. So if you're looking at updating or buying a new AC... Standard Heating and Air Conditioning has some great systems at $700 off during July. 
There's even easy financing options available on approved credit. It's no sweat. Really, no sweat. Call today and ask how you can save $700 on your new air conditioner. Learn more at standardheatingdeals.com. Some restrictions apply. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, and we have Elizabeth Horup with us today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, it's good to be in here. Thank you, and thank you for bringing Monica, Diana Siu, and Aaron Young to our show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> thank you. So for our audience that may just have joined us, uh, this is a show that's going up at the Fringe. It's called Aphrodite's Refugees. Uh, it is going to be opening August 3rd. Check out the Fringe website, but you can also check out cool things about Monica at her website, um, mantraperformance.com. You can also go to the Mantra Performance Facebook page. Um, and then to get to the Minnesota Fringe, it's minnesotafringe.org. And then you want to do backslash 2018. And then if you want the whole thing, it's backslash 2018 dash show dash information backslash Aphrodite's <laughs> Refugees. But I think you'd be better off just going to the Minnesota Fringe and looking for Aphrodite's Refugees. We've been talking to both Monica and Aaron, who are bringing this art to life, this story to life. Monica telling the story, and Aaron creating painted landscapes and um, and feelings through art, through painted art, through the visual art. How's that been going for the two of you in creating this art together? It's been going really well, actually. It's been really fun. This. Um, You've been going it's all over really the place. Been, I'm sorry? You've been going all over the place, too. Yeah, we have. We started the show in at the Cincinnati Fringe Festival. That was the first run. And then we have had about a month to kind of travel and uh, work on the show and come up with some ideas to make it better. It's, it's ever-evolving. At every performance opportunity, we come back and be like, wouldn't it be great if we did this? And um, so that's been really fun as a collaborative effort for the two of us. And you're also making a donation uh, to Doctors Without Borders as part of your yeah. commitment. Yeah, that's that was a really important piece to this. Um, after I had gone to the exhibit that Doctors Without Borders put on, it's called Forced From Home. It's a traveling exhibit. I don't know if it's been to Minneapolis or if it's coming there, but if it does, I highly recommend it. And after that, I I wanted to quit everything and go work, do humanitarian work. Um, and that obviously wasn't practical for me. So this show came about, and it was important that I was giving to this organization or to just giving to help with the current situation in any way. So this is what we came up with. And the story involves a um, four teenage refugees and a high-stakes card game played by the Greek gods. 
one of the things that I really love about the card game is it brought back memories of my family as well. It seemed like whenever there was stress in the family, the cards came out. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not just for when you're bored. There's something that is that is active for the mind to play a game, um, and also. Mm-hmm tragic in a way when you get dealt bad cards and someone else gets it easy and you're struggling and it, it is a sense of fate with all of that. Um, did you play a lot of cards growing up? I did, yes, on both sides of my family. Um, particularly, though, I played with my grandfather, who was, he was a guerrilla fighter in his, like, 20s, um, and then he fought against the Turkish occupation in the 70s. And after that, um, after they became refugees, he really quieted down and became quite still as a person. And he and I always had a very strong relationship and connection. He didn't speak any English, and I didn't speak any Greek, so we couldn't actually communicate. So what kind of card game did you play? We played a game called Joker's. Um, he was very good. He <laughs> won every time except for once. I, I beat him one time in my life. Uh, um, and it was, it's basically a rummy game, uh-huh. but it includes jokers, which are wild cards. Oh, fun. Yeah, I love rummy. My grandpa and I played rummy all the time. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's a classic game. It's all over the world. Um, so it's really accessible for people. So are the gods playing rummy? They are playing, yes, they are playing Jokers and Rummy, although I'm not very specific about what card game they're playing. Uh-huh. Um, that's mostly for me to know. Mm-hmm. I, I left that pretty open so that um, because other people's families play Pinochle and other people's families play Bridge, so I, I wanted to leave it open for people to kind of put in whatever connection to card games they have as a part of it as well. So does the fate of these refugees depend on how the cards are played by the gods? Pretty much how, yes, I think that that's an accurate, uh, accurate statement. They, the gods are, uh, they, take, they take it a little bit into their own hands, um, and uh, they, their, their actions are kind of rippled out into the stories of, of the refugees as well. Well, when I've read some reviews of your plays, one of the things that strikes me as something that um, is very cool is that it's very simple in many ways. It's storytelling, yet there's a sense of surprise throughout, um, especially with the art in the making. And something that you shared with me earlier that I think would be cool for the audience to know is that after you have seen audience see this, they just don't want to leave. They want to just remain engaged, which is, which shows that I think that the power of the connection has been made. Yeah, I think so too. And that's, that's really what I want is I I want people to stay and have a conversation. Um, The format of the fringe, unfortunately, doesn't allow for that. um, Because we have 10 minutes in Minneapolis, we have 10 minutes to break everything down so that the next show can come in which is a, a really strong time constraint. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and we work with it. And sometimes people come and they stand there and watch us. And some, sometimes they come and they want to help. And sometimes they want to just talk to us while we're doing it. And all of those, are, we welcome that. Um, well, I... Especially... 
I want to welcome folks to come see the show. Um, again, it's yeah. at, it's going to be at the U of M Rarig Experimental uh, Theater, the Minnesota Fringe. It opens on August 3rd, but it's going to run through August 12th. Um, fabulous production. Uh, see live art in the making, both through storytelling and painting and um, exploring, exploring our relationship to refugees and hearing their stories and opening our hearts to the refugee story. Monica, Aaron, thank you so much uh, for being a part of Connections today. And I'm looking forward to seeing your show. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. It's been lovely talking, and I can't wait to see you there. And anyone else who wants to come, please make sure you say hi and let me know how you heard about it. All right. Take care. Thanks.